we're going to go, we're going to spend the next uh, several weeks on uh, a quick series here. This is actually the first sermon series I preached at Bible Pathway Baptist Church back in 2014. We're going to make some, some changes to it, but uh, nonetheless, kind of going back to a uh, philosophy or a vision for our church that we presented uh, very early on, I think before anybody who's here now was even here. Uh, I have preached on the topic since then, um, and one of the messages, actually next week's message, I've preached before back in 2017, so a few people heard it then as well. But uh, uh, looking at when we started the church, one of the things that we wanted to be, we didn't want to just be another church. I got asked by a pastor, you know, why, why Lexington? Uh, well, that's where we started. And, and he said, there's churches all over the place. And I said, well, obviously, that's where God told us to go, so that's why we're going. Uh, but but uh, I said, there are a lot of churches. He said, I, I have not found one that's like what we're planning on starting. Um, there's similarities between other churches, of course, and things like that, but uh, you know, one of the biggest focuses or goals in starting the church is we wanted to have a church that was not just a, what I viewed as stereotypical church. Uh, you come in, you look the part, and you leave. Uh, I grew up in church my whole life. I grew up in ministry my whole life. I've seen so many things and so many different kinds of people, but at the end of the day, the churches that I saw, they were all very similar uh, where it just felt like there was a lot of fake Christians. It's not to say that they weren't Christians, but they weren't living the life that God desired for them to live. And so when we started the church, we had this goal of being real, of having people uh, uh, gathering together, worshiping together, serving together, but not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but all throughout the week being real, being what God saw as real Christianity. There are books upon books upon books on real Christianity. I've partially read one of them. Uh, but <laughs> I read the first chapter, read the back of the cover, and everything got it all after that, right? Um, <laughs> but a desire that we had was that we had a church that was producing real Christians. We wanted ministries we still haven't attained to yet uh, to impact people outside of, of our normalcy. Uh, we wanted to see things happen, but ultimately wanted to produce people, uh, lay people, people in the church, people serving in the church that were real, that they didn't just live a certain way on Sunday and were completely different on Monday, but that everything throughout their life embodied what God wanted them to be. We come into this year with the focus on our church, Let Us Worship, where us together are growing and drawing closer to God, where we are strengthening our lives, strengthening our foundation, strengthening how we view God so that we can grow as a church, so that we can impact more people as a church. But in order for us to accomplish those things, we have to be real. We can't be fake. Uh, I've told you the story of the man I met in New York City, and I asked him, where do you go to church? And he said, oh, I don't go to church. He, he gave me his testimony. He was saved. He said, I don't go to church anymore. Everybody, there's hypocrites. And, well, yeah, 
are. I agree with you 100%. Um, you know, I, the reality is, is, is a lot of times when you walk into a church, the large majority of people there are hypocrites. And they'll act kind to your face and talk about you to your back. They'll act spiritual to, your, to, to when you see them, but if you ever saw them in their workplace, you would, they wouldn't have that same testimony. Uh, if you ask their family, how do they act at home? We're all guilty of it. But ultimately, our desire should be to grow, to mature, to be what God desires for us to be, to be consistent in our Christian life, to be what God wants us to be. And so this morning, I'd like to introduce this series on being real. We're going to look at four points today, kind of as a skeleton fashion, and then we'll spend the next four weeks diving into each point a little deeper. So we'll kind of go shallow today with just the general thoughts, and then we'll dive deeper into it over the next four weeks at these four things. And we're going to use the word real as an acrostic, R-E-A-L. Uh, is what we're going to look at to, to accomplish this today. Our text is James 1, and starting in verse 22, and we're going to look at, uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time, we're going to jump around a, a number of different passages. We're not going to stay in one passage in this series, uh, but I think this is a great point for us to see, to dive off of, and we looked at this verse even recently, and I bring it up often, but verse 22, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So you get the idea here, right, of being real? Do what you've heard. Don't just be hearers, uh, but be doers. Be real. All right? Don't be hypocritical. Verse 23, if any, if, uh, any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. He looks in the mirror. There's problems. Hair's all wacky. Face is dirty. He looks at the mirror and sees it, but he doesn't do anything about it. And he says, people who are hearers of the word and not doers are like that guy. They see what's wrong, but they don't do anything about it. And they just go on their way and forget about what they saw in the mirror. Verse 25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, looking into the scriptures and seeing what needs to be done. All right, so continuing therein, and uh, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, uh, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be a religious, uh, excuse me, seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, uh, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain, it's empty, it's worthless. Pure religion, and undefiled before God and the Father, is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. If I may paraphrase verse 27. Uh, true religion, or pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father is this, be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. That's what it comes down to. You want to be real. You want to be pure and undefiled in your life before God. You do what the Bible says, don't just listen to it. That's, that's the crux of it all. I guess we can pray and be dismissed. Uh, we got it all covered, right? That's it. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. So I'm going to pray, and let's ask God to help us to understand what God desires for us, how to be real in the sight of God. Not in the sight of man, in the sight of God, how to be real. 
real Christians, what God desires for us. Lord, help us this morning. I know these are thoughts that I've preached before, and I know these are things that uh, in some ways are very, very basic. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us today to receive something fresh. I I pray that you'd help me to present it in a fresh way. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to have our hearts and minds open to receive what you'd have us to receive today. Uh, Lord, we all go through different things, and we all fail in different areas, and we all fail at different times. But, Lord, I pray our desire is to be what you want us to be. And so I pray that your word will impact our lives today to help us to be real Christians, really what you want us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here in James, again, the importance of being doers and not hearers. And so when we look at the question of how, right, that's ultimately what it comes down to for us. How do we do what God wants us to do? How do we get to that point where we can be real and not fake. The simple answer is just do. (laughs) God's word is is in so many areas so simple, and we try to overcomplicate it sometimes, don't we? He says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Well, how do I do that? Well, you you do. You just do. (laughs) You just do what God tells you to do. You hear it and you do it. But I know for us, our minds got to have a little bit more than that, right? We got to have a little bit more instruction uh, to that or whatever it may be. So four things to help us be real Christians. Number one is the letter R, relationship with God. We got to have a relationship with God. You're not going to be a doer of the word if you don't have a relationship with God. You're not going to be a real Christian if you don't have a relationship with God. The first step of the relationship is what? It's salvation. That's where it all starts at. That's where our Christianity begins. We're not even Christians, little Christs. We're not even children of God until we have the relationship with God himself through salvation. As with any relationship, um, you know, you have this, this starting point, an introduction. I can remember, I think, the first time I met each of you. Uh, The most traumatic Introduction was Brett. Um, we won't go into that, but uh, it was very traumatizing to me, very hard for me. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was an interesting introduction. I remember clearly my introduction to Katie, uh, and I remember—I think I remember every single one of yours. Uh, uh, introduction. You know, funny thing is when I met John. John and Julie came to church, and uh, John was. He was fishing for information, and I knew what he was looking for, but I wasn't going to give it to him. I don't know if you remember this, John, or not, but I, I knew what he was looking for, and I wasn't going to give it to him. Because a lot of people I meet, if they've been in church and around church and stuff like that, they're trying to figure out who you are. What kind of Baptist are you? you know? and, and usually that question comes to who do you know or who, who have you been around, where did you go to school? Um, those kinds of things. What pastor have you been under? Those kinds of things. Because it tells you a lot about a person. But I've grown up understanding that, especially talking about school, now what college did you go to? That can be very deceptive. All right, so and I'm, not, I'm not super unproud of the school I went to, but I'm also not uh, gung-ho about the school I went to. So John brought up the school I went to. We saw it on the website. And, and I knew that he was fishing for trying to figure out who I am, right? Where do I fit in the grand scheme of things? At least that's the way I perceived it. 
And so he talked about Maranatha, where I went to college. And my thought always is, when I meet someone who didn't go to Maranatha, but knows I went to Maranatha, I, I, I want to make sure I separate myself from the thought of Maranatha. Not that everything there is bad or anything like that, but I just, that was me. And so I, was, I just wasn't giving it up easy, right? Uh, and so, but eventually we got to the point of, yes, I went to Maranatha. He knew people that went to Maranatha. His past, previous pastor's son was in school with me, and there was common connections and things like that. Uh, but I just, I don't know, that, that introduction reminds me. I think of introductions, and I think of that experience, you know, of course, the ranch and things like that. And, and I love the ranch, and I, and I love the way I was brought up. But there are differences between me and the ranch and the, the camp they grew up at. Um, there are differences between me and the people who run the school I went to, and even when I was there. And there's differences. And I always very quickly try to, to bring myself apart from any of those things because people immediately put you in this little, this little circle, of, oh, so this is what you are, right? People who know the camp I grew up in assume things about me because of that. They assume standards, they assume uh, connections, they assume uh, just different things, philosophy, whatever. And there's a lot of the philosophy of ministry. My philosophy of ministry is very, very similar to the philosophy of ministry I grew up under. Um, and then if you went to Maranatha, there are certain things, certain people will assume uh, people who went to Maranatha will assume things about you. People who didn't go to Maranatha will assume different things about you. And honestly, I feel like I don't fit in any of that. <laughs> so, so I always try to make it hard on people. I don't, give, I don't give it up easily when it comes to the, where I stand on things. I get people all the time asking, what kind of Baptist are you? Independent Baptist. Um, and so then they start asking, so are you like this church? Are you like this church? Are you like this church? And I say, listen, you just have to come see for yourself. I said, we're not like any of them. Uh, we, we're just us. We are what we are. And that's what it is. And, you know, sure, we have similarities with some of these churches. You know, and I always just kind of ask, you know, what do you want to know? Are you asking about music? Are you asking about dress? What, just ask me what you want to know. Because um, people, when they're looking for a church, that's what they're trying to figure out, certain things. What, what are you? But the easiest answer is just come and see for yourself. And uh, so I'm a bad first introductory guy. Uh, but anyways, um, so you have the relationships. Let me get back on point. Relationships, you have to have that introductory moment with God where you've come to the realization, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. Christ sent his son Jesus to the earth to die for my sins and, and made available for me a gift of salvation. And until I receive the gift, I'm lost. But once I receive the gift, now I'm a child of God. And that relationship has begun. But like with all relationships, there is uh, uh, more to it than that. More to a relationship than the introduction, right? You've got to maintain the relationship. So you have that daily walking with God, that daily fellowship with God, that continual learning of God. James 4.8 says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. The closer you'll draw to God, the more God is going to do for you. The closer you are to God, the more protection you have, the more provision you have, the more guidance you have. The further away from God, the less of those things you have. It's not that God isn't capable, right? It's not that God isn't capable of those things, but he says, come near. And the closer you are, the closer I'll be, the more I'm going to do for you. And that's why Christians who backslide, or, and maybe that's even, I mean, it's true, but, but not even full backslidden Christians, just Christians who aren't walking with God. Christians who aren't maintaining their relationship with God, that's why they have struggle for provisions. 
It's why they have struggled for guidance. It's why they feel like they are constantly just being, being uh, uh, tossed around. Because they don't, have that, that, they don't have God being directly there helping them. He's ready to help. He says, but you've got to come near. And there are times where God reaches down and helps even when we're incredibly undeserving of it. In his choice and his choosing, is there are times where he does that. But he says, if you'll come near to me, I'll be near to you. And the closer you are, it's like the, the illustration of the hen, right, who has those chicks underneath her wings and protects them. You've got to be close in order for that to happen. And it takes maintenance of the relationship with God. It's like a marriage. There are daily needs in our relationship. God has, he doesn't have needs, we have needs. But there's that daily maintenance. God always does his part. We don't always do ours. And we have to maintain that relationship. Acts 17, uh, we read about people. It says they receive the word of God with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily. There's multiple things in that passage that tell something about our relationship with God. It says, first of all, they went with readiness of mind. They weren't just going through emotion. They were ready to receive. They were ready to learn. They were ready to draw closer to God. And then it says they searched the scriptures daily. So not only were they ready to receive and learn, they daily maintained that relationship. And if you read in Acts, you'll see they daily grew. Individually, there was maturity growing. They were helping one another. They were coming together, eating together, fellowshipping together, studying together, worshiping together. And they came with a readiness of mind, and they came daily. I'll tell you what, if you go to the scriptures daily, ready to learn, your relationship with God is going to blossom. It's going to grow, and it's going to mature, and it's going to, you're going to learn things. And next thing you know, you're going to be, you're going to be in conversations, or you're going to be in sermons, or you're going to be uh, in, in more Bible reading, and you're going to be like, man, I, I learned that in reading this. And if you're anything like me, I'm always surprised when I know something. <laughs> and so, so if I'm listening to someone else preach or, or reading something and I think, hey, I know this. That's exci- that excites me. I don't know if it excites anybody else. I'm always excited when I know something. But it's that readiness to learn. And then you do learn. And that relationship grows. And it grows and it grows. And as the relationship with God is stronger, your life uh, is going to be more and more what God desires for it to be. You do not have to be a Bible scholar to have a right relationship with God. It's not that you have to attain a certain degree of wisdom or knowledge of Bible to have a right relationship with God. It's that if you have a right relationship with God, you are studying. You are learning. If you look today, people are trying to hire for work. And they always, almost always have this phrase of two to three years experience. And I always ask, how does someone get the experience if people are only hiring experienced people? Right? And so you're like, to, even, to attain that position, someone has to give you the break to let you learn how to attain that position. Because no, a lot of people won't want to give it to you unless you have the experience. See, God's not that way. To have a right relationship with God, it's not you've got to have two to three years 
or four years of Bible college, or you have to have so much Bible memory, or you have to have whatever. No, it's the right relationship with God is just the daily doing what God tells you to do. He wants you to attain knowledge and wisdom, and he's the one that's going to give it to you as you do what you're supposed to do. And we're supposed to read our Bible. And we're not supposed to read it so we can say we read it. We're supposed to read it so that we can learn. And we build that relationship with God through daily reading scriptures and ready to receive what God tells us to do. We can't do what we hear if we don't hear. And hearing is not enough on Sundays. We can't just take what we hear on Sundays and say that's going to be enough for me to do what God wants me to do. It's a great start. But what you hear on Sundays, what you should hear on Sundays, is you're supposed to read your Bible on Monday. <laughs> you're supposed to read your Bible on Tuesday. So I guess technically if you do what you hear on Sunday, you'll be all right. But uh, the idea is do what you hear. Well, how do I hear? Well, on Sunday I hear through the preaching and maybe through personal reading as well. On Monday, how do I hear? Well, you, you read. I mean, sure, you can turn on a podcast and things like that too, but you're supposed to be receiving personally. And you're supposed to hear it through the reading of God's word. Number two, the letter E. Number one is relationship with God. Number two, the letter E. And we'll look at relationship next week. We're going to dive deeper into it next week. Number two is E, evangelizing. How do we be a real Christian? Well, we've got to have a relationship with God, and we have to evangelize. What does that mean? Sharing the gospel. Telling other people what God has done in your life. And sharing with them the good news of what God can do in their life. How do we do this? Well, there's two different ways we evangelize. Number one, it's by word, by speaking. Uh, Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The word preach scares people that grew up in church. It may not scare people that didn't grow up in church. It scares people that grew up in church. Because they've heard preachers their whole life. The word preach there is proclaim. It's not stand behind a pulpit and have a three-point outline. We have four points tonight, but I uh, have a three-point outline and uh, illustrations and uh, all those kinds of things. It's not what it means. It means to proclaim, to tell, to speak. Go into all the world and tell the gospel to every creature. By word, that's how we evangelize, by telling other people what God's word says, specifically about how they can receive Christ as their Savior. The other way we do this is by actions. Now listen, well, let me read the verse first. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Too many Christians today take the idea that I will evangelize by my actions and never by my words. I believe evangelization is to be a twofold experience. Not only by words, but also by actions. Not only by actions, but also by words. Our actions can open the door for an easier conversation. If I'm living the gospel, it'll be easier to tell people the gospel. It'll be really, really hard to evangelize by word if my life is not living out what I'm about to say. Right? If I'm mean and angry um, and uh, complaining and gossiping and things like that, and then I try to share the gospel with someone, they're going to go, what? 
It's, just, it's not going to work. But if I'm living the gospel and then share the gospel, the door is going to be open. Now, someone who doesn't know me, a complete stranger, you know, the, 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 the word can still have the effect. And listen, it's through God's power. We're not, we're not the ones saving people. But God tells us we're supposed to go. We're supposed to be a light that shines so people can see and glorify God through what they see. And then by word, telling, proclaiming, preaching the gospel, letting them know, sharing with them the importance that God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And having that two, twofold thing, and again, we'll look at this in two weeks, but this twofold uh, evangelization method by word and by action. Sharing the gospel. Why do we evangelize? Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen, we tell all these people, hey, you're just supposed to, you're just supposed to know. I believe, and the Bible teaches, that people can have the knowledge that there is a God by creation. They, they don't know who God is necessarily and what all God is, but they... God has created us with the understanding by seeing what God has done, going, there is something out there. That's why I don't believe in atheists. I believe there are people who don't want to believe in God. But I believe ultimately everyone understands, because even the devil knows. I believe to some degree everyone understands there is something. But they need someone to tell them what that is. Faith cometh by hearing. Well, how are they going to hear? How will they hear unless someone tell them the Bible says? We're the ones that are supposed to tell them. Not the TV evangelists or the TV preachers. Not the YouTube evangelists or the YouTube preachers. We're supposed to tell them. Well, who are we supposed to tell? Everybody. (laughs) Have you told everybody in your life about God? I haven't. Am I supposed to? Yeah. but can we trim it down just a little bit? Have you told anybody in your life about Jesus? We can look at it and go, well, it's an impossible task to tell everybody. I mean, everybody I walk past in the grocery store, everybody I see at the gas station, everybody I see at a restaurant, everybody I see at work, everybody I see, I'm supposed to tell everybody? Yes, but have you told anybody? (laughs) I mean, the reality is that so many times we make excuses for why we can't do something, and the reality is we're not even trying. We're not. Are we being real Christians? No. Do we have a relationship with God? Yes, in, in many cases. Are we evangelizing? I can't be a real Christian if I'm not evangelizing. Again, I'm not saying that I can't be saved. You understand that, right? I'm just saying you can't be what God desires for you to be if you're not evangelizing. He has told us to go out and tell. He has told us that, the only, that faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God, we are to proclaim, we are to tell, we are to present the gospel, and we're supposed to live it in our lives as well. Number three, we have to have a relationship with God to be real. We have to evangelize to be real. Number three is the letter A, attitude. If you ask people, how do you view Christianity? a large number of the responses are going to be about the attitudes of Christians they've met. Doing right with the right attitude. 
We're going to look at a couple passages. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be in the Gospels here for these. Matthew chapter 6. Doing right with the right attitude. Having the proper attitude in our lives. Matthew 6, look in verse number 1. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain reputations, repetitions, excuse me, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking, but not ye therefore like unto them, be, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. He's saying, don't be like the hypocrites. What he, what's he saying? He's saying, be real. When you do your alms, you're giving to the poor and you're helping. You don't do it loudly and videotape it and put it on social media. He says, you do it for the right reasons. You do it with the right attitude. When you pray, you don't be like the hypocrites and shout it out for everybody to see you and to glorify you and say, man, that person's spiritual. I'm telling you, a human pat on the back means nothing. A heavenly reward means everything. And we spend so much time because society teaches us we need a pat on the back. We spend so much time seeking out the pat on the back, the applause, the recognition from people. Not even understanding that we're missing out on the reward from God. Because we're doing it with the wrong attitude. And God clearly points out for us, these people are hypocrites. He says, don't do it like the hypocrites. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the religious people. He's talking about the teachers. He's talking about the pious people who hold every law and do everything right, except their attitude. And God calls them hypocrites. You want to be real? You can't be like the hypocrites. You have to do things with the right attitude. Mark 12 talks about the widow's might and her willingness and her attitude and her giving. And it's not about the amount. It's not about uh, the, the you know, people looking at her and saying, man, you gave so much. No, it's her heart. It's her attitude and giving that God notices. Uh, go to Luke chapter 18. I think it's funny when you look in Scripture and you see the, the mindset of an attitude, it's oftentimes about giving. Uh, sometimes it's about serving, but a lot of times it's about giving. The Lord loveth a cheerful giver. It's an attitude thing. And it's interesting to me because God knows 
our attitude gets adjusted when we're giving something. It's a very unselfish act to give. And so our attitude often is, how can this giving benefit me, right? So God uses, when he talks about attitude in scriptures, it's oftentimes about giving. But anyways, uh, Luke, uh, where are we at? Luke 18, starting in verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one Pharisee and the other a publican. Pharisee, super spiritual. Publican, not so much. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Christ speaking in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Do you understand the attitude here that God gives us? Two men praying, super spiritual, super pious, super obedient in many, many things. Man says, God, I'm so thankful I'm not like everybody else here. He starts listing off how bad these people are. Extortioners, adulterers, unjust. And he points out specifically, or even as this publican. He says, I fast twice a week. Hey, 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 you hear that? I go to church twice a week. Sunday and Wednesday. Not everybody in our church does that. I'm super spiritual. I fast twice a week. God says, I don't care. And listen, does God want you to go to church when you're able to go to church? Yes, he does. But if you go to church to tell other people I go to church, God doesn't care. It means nothing. But the publican, he just simply says and simply prays, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He says, I'm not glad that I'm not as bad as these people. He says, I'm bad. God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. It's an attitude. And oftentimes we, we lift ourselves up, and God says if you're going to lift yourself up, you're going to fall. Humble yourself, or I will humble you for you. This publican says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He had the right attitude. No matter how good you are, if you look at someone else and say, I'm better than them, you're in the wrong. These Pharisees, I'm telling you, when I use the word pious, I mean that in the uh, obedience and strictest sense. They did good. They did a lot of good. They followed every spiritual law, every scriptural law, everything to a T. There were certain things they wouldn't do uh, to be spiritual. They would give. Now they gave with the wrong attitude, but they would give. But it all comes back to this point where God just says, your heart's wrong. And if you want to be a real Christian, you've got to have the right attitude. The right attitude about God, the right attitude about yourself, and the right attitude about other people. And we'll dive more into that in a few weeks. Number four, and lastly this morning is the letter L. But the relationship with God to be real. We have to evangelize to be real. We have to have the right attitude to be real. And then lastly... 
We have to lead to be real. We are all supposed to be followers of Christ, but on this earth, we're supposed to lead. Uh, Let's go to Matthew 28. A lot of people try to take a back seat. In their minds, they're being humble. And there is good to that. Matthew 19, uh, excuse me, 28, verse 19 through 20 is the Great Commission. We read uh, a version of the Great Commission in Mark earlier when we are talking about evangelizing. But in, in chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. God says in order for you to be a real Christian, you have to lead other people. It's the term we use, discipling. It's not just evangelization that is the job of the Christian, but it is teaching after the evangelization that is required of Christians. So he says there in verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach. That's the same as preach the gospel to every creature in Mark. Teach all nations. It's, it's the, the, the design of evangelization. And then after you do that, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So it starts with teaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. And then once someone gets saved, we baptize. It's a picture, right, of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And it's a proclamation to the public that I am saved, that I'm now a child of God. Then we are to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. It is that furtherance. It is that going further. It is that understanding, the teaching, the growing, the maturing of fellow Christians. It's to teach others. The book of Titus mentions that the older should teach the younger. And in in referring to that, it is talking about the mature. Now, uh, um, those that have been saved, those that have been studying, those that have learned, need to teach those that have yet to do so. And there's wisdom in age as well. That is great if an older Christian who is mature in Christ can teach a younger Christian. There's a lot of wisdom in that. But all Christians are commanded to go and proclaim the gospel and then to teach them, those who receive the gospel, all things that that you've learned. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, the things that you've learned, the things that you've been taught in, going to church, reading your Bible, praying. Remember the disciples asked Christ, teach us to pray. Why did they ask Christ? Because Christ knew. Christ knew how to pray. He prayed with power. Now, he was God. I understand that. But he was the example, right? He prayed with power. When he prayed, things got answered. The disciples said, hey, we want that. It wasn't teach us a a prayer to pray. It was teach us how to pray. So he gave them a... An outline, a, a skeleton prayer. Uh, here's when you pray, do things like this. 
Pray to your Father, which is in heaven. Pray for your daily needs. Pray for forgiveness. And it's, it's not repeat this prayer. It's pray like this. Now listen, today's time, a Christian, a saved person, can go to God in prayer and say, God, teach me to pray. He can. What's God going to say? Read your Bible. <laughs> Why? Because the Bible teaches you how to pray. But how about someone who uh, uh, comes across someone who's a new Christian? Why not come alongside them and say, hey, let's start with the basics. You're going to need to read your Bible. Where, where should I start at? Most people will start in Genesis because it's the first book in the Bible. And they get through Genesis and they get to Exodus. And then they get to Leviticus. And then they get to Numbers. And if they make it through, they get to Deuteronomy. And halfway through, they're going, I don't want to do this anymore. So a wise Christian, a mature Christian, comes up to a new Christian and says, you need to read your Bible. How about you start in John? or Romans, or Matthew. Starting in Genesis is fine and dandy, but if they're just going to read through the Bible straight through, they're going to come across very quickly and be discouraged because they're not going to understand stuff. <laughs> and they're going to go, I don't understand why I'm reading this. What does it matter when I get to Chronicles? Who cares? Listen, there's a purpose for it. We should read it. But a new Christian, they don't start there. And a wise Christian come alongside and say, hey, let's, let's read through this together. Right, let's, hey, let's go to the New Testament and start in the Gospels and see the life of Christ. John and Romans uh, uh, reassures a Christian, helps them continue to understand their salvation, and teaches them some basic life lessons to get started, to build a foundation. But they're not going to know to do that unless someone tells them. How do I pray? If it's someone who grew up not around religion, prayer is going to be very, very scary for them. And prayer is really very simple, is it not? Pray, pray is just talking to God. Well, how am I supposed to pray? Well, I mean, Christ gave us an example. But most people have heard the Lord's Prayer. I mean, good night football teams quoted at the end of football games. They don't know what they're doing. They're just, it's what they were told to do, so they do it. Well, how do I pray? Well, you know, God says when you're going to pray, you know, you, you need to ask for the things that you desire. When you pray, it's an opportunity to go and get your sins forgiven. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, it's, it's an opportunity to go and ask for my daily needs. It's an opportunity for me to go and pray for myself. It's an opportunity for me to pray for other people. They need someone to teach them. You see, our job as Christians, if we're going to be real, is to not see people get saved and just let them be. Good luck to you. Can God teach them and grow them? Yes. Does God command us to teach them? Yes. And we oftentimes, in Christianity, we, we just come up with these reasons and excuses for all. We can't teach other people. 
Or we can't lead other people, and God says you're supposed to. It's part, it's part of your responsibility to lead other people. So how are we going to be real Christians? And we'll dive deeper into these over the next four weeks. First of all, we have to have a relationship with God. Secondly, we've we got to evangelize. Thirdly, we've got to have the right attitude. And fourthly, we have to lead. We have to get out of the mindset of, I'm just going to be along for the ride. And then I'm going to step up and do what God wants me to do. And if we're going to have a year of worship, if we're going to have a year where we as a church come together and worship together, then we need to be real. Because a fake Christian has fake worship. And here at Bible Pathway Baptist Church, we desire to produce real Christians. People who have a relationship with God, who are evangelizing. Listen, I've said this before, I'm not against church-wide evangelization, going out on a Thursday or a Saturday or whatever churches you've been in in the past have done. I'm not anti that, but I really believe a Christian is supposed to be daily evangelizing. And I think sometimes when we get into this corporate evangelization that we fail in our own lives to do what God tells us to do on a daily basis. Now, again, there's good things to it, too, where people who aren't doing it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're doing it on Thursday. I can see the good in that. But God says, I've put people in your life. Go evangelize. We want to produce people that have the right attitude about God, about themselves, and about other people. And we want to produce people that are going to lead. And part of that leading is producing other people to do the same thing. Right? It produces a relationship with God. Uh, It produces evangelization. It produces a right attitude. And eventually it produces them leading other people. That's what it's supposed to be about. So my prayer is over the next four weeks as we dive deeper into this stuff, it helps us and and maybe bring some stuff up in our lives that needs to be changed. Uh, Maybe it produces a desire to be what God wants us to be. Lord willing, it produces change in our lives where it's needed so that we can be real. So that when people look at us, they don't go, hypocrite. I'm not going to go to your church because you're a hypocrite. They look at us and go, man, there's just something different. They walk into these doors and sit in our service and meet our people, and they say, there's something different about this church. They're not phony. Our Christianity should have other people wanting to be Christians. Now, listen, it's about God. Don't get me wrong on that. The way that we live and the way that God works in our life, the way that God blesses in our life, should produce something outwardly where other people look at us and go, I want what they got. It's not religion. I want what they got. And what we got is God Almighty. So let's be real as we move forward. Lord, help us. Again, we all have our, our failures. We all have moments that we fail. I just pray, Lord, that we're not living a consistent failing life. 
Lord, I pray that you'd help us that when we do fail, we understand our need to come to you and get it right. And Lord, that you'd produce in us a real life. Lord, that we would be real Christians, that we'd be really what you want us to be. Lord, help us in our relationship with you. Lord, if, if there's anyone here that's not saved, that today would be the day they get saved. But Lord, as Christians, and we don't just leave the relationship at salvation, but we grow and mature and learn. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to evangelize, to share the gospel with other people, this great gift that we've received. And we're so thankful for the gift of salvation, yet so oftentimes we just contain it to ourselves. Lord, help us by word and action to be sharing the gospel. Lord, help us to have the right attitude. Help us not to look down at others, to be judgmental, to be pious, to to look around and say, I'm better than them. Lord, help us to come to church with the right attitude. Help us to read our Bible with the right attitude. Help us to pray with the right attitude. Lord, help us to love and serve with the right attitude. And Lord, help us to lead others. Help us to have a desire for other Christians to help and encourage and edify and to grow to teach. Lord, help us to be real and help us to continue to learn uh, from your word what that means. I pray this in Jesus' name.